I, I always like cyberpunk because uh, Neuromancer, Ghost in the Shell, stuff like that. The idea of being able to start installing parts into someone, it was, you know, standard cool idea. Mm-hmm. But then it started developing because I'm like, it's not hitting the right marks. And I started thinking to myself, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we, we could just cut bits of Cthulhu and jam it into us? This is the Crit RPG Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Lit RPG, Progression Fantasy, and Royal Road. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Crit RPG Podcast, the only podcast where, well, well, you can see what's happening on the screen, so I really don't, I, I, no, I don't know what's happening, so um, thank you for, very much for coming in. With me today is Ostensible mammal uh author of god clads how are you doing i'm alive that is all i can ask for <laughs> very much so um yeah we're going to talk about death march a little bit more so that people who are listening to you um for the first time or who haven't interacted with you uh, on discord know what this is about very nice so talk to me about god clads well, why did you write the story when did you write the story and how did it come to be why did I write the story? Well, it's a three-part mixture. Number one, I was trying to prepare for another story I'd like to personally refer to as Stashist Dragon Cannot Solve Problem with Magic. Uh, the mm-hmm. second part was uh, that uh, COVID was, well, it was a dark time. Uh, my room was all I knew for a long while, and I was starting to hallucinate looking at the corners. And the corners told me that there was only one way out. But I knew the corners were lying, you see, because, you know, corners don't have mouths. Like, what are you listening? What, what are you doing talking to a corner? So clearly, like, naturally, by that logic, you're being lied to. You can't, you can't just, you got to do something, okay? The way you yeah. talk into your corners, and the room eventually gets you to, you know, you're wearing a dress, but that, it's not a dress. It's your neighbor's slave bitch. It, it, it's a whole mess. Anyway, there, there's supposed to be a third bit here, but that's mainly because, like, you know, I started to, like uh, writing, it's creating, it's pretty fun. It's um, it's as close to divine as we can get. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I mean, this entire show won't be an acid trip. I mean, what are you talking about? So you said that uh, the corners, like the wait, the corners convinced you to do something, and in spite of them, you started writing to get like yeah. a feeling of humanity. Yeah, yeah, sure, humanity. That's the right one. Sure, sure, sure. Yes. Um, had, did you write any books before? Uh, no, I have abandoned several stories before. I've attempted, yeah, if you, if you dig further, far enough in my past, you will find horrific fan fiction that I've buried and some I have not buried very well, and all of them are dead. And some of them are coming back to life. Uh, potentially, um, but let's, let's not do any necromancy yet. There are some things that you remain buried. And by that, I don't mean the Necronomicon, I mean my words. Um, so what kind of fan fiction? Uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, mostly crack. Crack. Yes. Imagine the stupidest concept you can and then make it dumber. Yes. Well, that's about it. So you decided, um, Hey, I'm going to start writing again. It's COVID. I have nothing to do. Uh, so soldiering on. I'm just going to write something. So how did you come up with the concept of God, lads? 
Uh, so that's a lot of things. In the beginning, you know, like I, I always liked cyberpunk because uh, Neuromancer, Ghost in the Shell, stuff like that. And the idea of being able to, you know, start installing parts into someone, it was, you know, standard cool idea. But then it started developing because I'm like, it's not hitting the right marks. Uh, when I was writing it, there was always a question of, well, why is it like this? What, where can I get a better fix of this novel I'm writing? Mm -hmm. So originally there was like some previous concepts that didn't make it because it was like, okay, you know, this is just Shadowrun or this is Cyber, you know, like, this is Cyberpunk. It's like, we don't need to do a new version of this. It's been done better and it's done once. So we kept going and I started looking into some very, let's just say, esoteric literature. And I started thinking to myself, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we, we could just, you know, cut bits of Cthulhu and jam it into us? I'm just saying, like, you know, it's, it's useful for living underwater and stuff. I'm like, but what if, mm -hmm. you know, what if the water wasn't there? And so the idea started developing from that. It's like, it, it the, the cybernetic implanting is a two-way sword, basically. It's how you interface with the world, but it's also how you interface with yourself. So why mm -hmm. don't we just cut out all the middlemen and you know directly jam aspects of broken reality in people? Why not? Yeah, why not? It and seemed like the final conclusion. <laughs> yes, the obvious conclusion, because like the, you mean that's why the market is swamped with stories about people who augment themselves with broken pieces of reality. Oh, uh, yeah. Let, let me think here. You know, China Mayville has the Baslog cycle, which is, yes. you know, the new weird is pretty cool. And he also has you know, concepts like the possible sword and cuts, I think, theoretically everywhere it's not at or something like that. So, yeah, like, it's not, it, it's not, I would say, super rare, but it's, a little bit more esoteric than normal. Uh, it's true. The whole like new weird thing is um, a genre I very much enjoy because most of the time it's not very shock horror, but you know, um, it's it kind of makes you makes you think more and about the implications and it twists your mind mind into pretzels. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, remember to yeah protect your ears from wandering spider people. Yes, that is very important. How does it relate to the question? I forgot. I do okay. not remember. Let's continue. Maybe too many spider people in your brain. So the other thing was, I think I recommended um, Max Gladstone to you, right? Yes. The craft sequence. Um, he also had, like, what, what do you call it? Uh, how you lose a time war. I think, oh, yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly. it. Exactly. That was really fun. And he writes very interesting, sort of like body horror stuff. Um, but he also like he he has this thing, um, much like Rothfuss, I think, where his plot gets a little bit lost under all the prose. If you know what I mean. Oh yes, um, yeah. I think a, a lot of authors who go into the the really weird stuff, mm -hmm. they suffer from a little bit of description inconsistency okay how so well when you're talking about something ineffable mm -hmm. it uh, is usually hard to betray so a, yeah. a lot of times they're trying to sell you on a feeling and not all of us are lovecrafts 
either in terms of uh, racism powers or our actual writing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do know. we even want to be Lovecraft? But yeah, yeah I mean, well, there's China. Hmm? Yeah. Like, not really. No, like, that man suffered. If, mm. if, if racism was a cultivation source, he would be like breaking planets. But unfortunately, he was just a sad, terrified man who was pretty good at writing sometimes, but also really racist. <laughs> really racist. Which is a part of people like, like not to talk about sometimes. But um, he has inspired some very interesting um, newer writers, and that's called New Weird. And um, I, you one second, I need to look look it up at, at Io9. Um, Jelly Clark, who um, oh. is a black writer who wrote a lot of like, who wrote back at um, at the concept of, well, uh, old gods and all that kind of stuff for um, from Lovecraft. It's really really interesting stuff. Um, I might look into that. I also I also um, tossed you over um, Peter Jackson Bennett, right? Yes, uh, the city of stairs, and yeah, yeah. Did you read that? I read parts of that. I did not finish that. I'm currently on something else. I'll probably go back to that maybe like mm -hmm. I don't know June this year. Well, upcoming yeah. year anyway. Yeah, that's okay. No, I mean like whenever I recommend something, I just hope people like it. And if you don't, that's, that's also fine, right? Uh, yeah. No. Um, yeah, I think that will probably go with more new weird month maybe next time. But like we'll see. Yeah. No, yeah, I, it makes complete sense, right? Um, one of the best and coolest new weird stories I've ever read um, or experienced, I should rather say, is The Secret World. Um, it's a Funcom game. Uh, it's a terrible game. It's an amazing story. Uh, really, really good. Hmm? I remember that. There were three different secret societies you could play yes. living there. Yes, yep. I was aware of that game. That was, that was really good because... The way you experienced is it was each quest gave you a lot of information, some of which was completely useful, some was useful in a local context, and some of it was was useful in a global context. You know, just a line here or a few phrases there or premonition. And um, it all would fit together into this like, gigantic big puzzle about what was really happening uh, underneath our very feet and um, how that would, you know, culminate in the destruction of the world. Really good. Like, really, really good. And it went back through time and went forward in time. And uh, I can only recommend this, this story. Uh, the game, like I said, not so much, but the story is really cool. You have, yeah. Like, hmm? yeah, like, that sounds like a World of Darkness sort of thing. I haven't read too much of World of Darkness. Um, but do you play games? Either video games or... Yes, I, I do. Elaborate, please. Um, um, so I play, I think I've, I've played quite a few different games. I'm, I'm pretty broad in terms of what I played before. But, you know, as, as time gone on, I've basically gone into either high, uh, well, very interactive sandboxes mm -hmm. or high narrative. Mm -hmm. That's my, my main two things. I, I kind of like either really interesting story or something that, you know, want you to commit to or something that's uh, very good for kind of power and progression, basically. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, just yeah. stuff like RimWorld in which, you know, war crime is not a... What, what is war crime, really? <laughs> what, what, is, what is war? 
Yeah. <coughs> really. Philosophically, why do these orphans need their legs? <laughs> exactly. Um, and then in the in the grim, dark future of the 42nd millennium, there's only war. Um, I mean, what's your entire opinion about... No, I'm not going to ask about Warhammer. <laughs> no, that, that's a My too, opinion too, is that they need to reduce the prices of those figurines, all right? There are people out there who have, in month, they have enough money, but it's like, it's a drug habit or Warhammer figurines, and they can't yeah. afford the figurines. You're forcing people into having a drug habit, Games Workshop. How many people <laughs> have turned to heroin because you couldn't, like, the Arzakara Man model is like a few hundred dollars. What is wrong with you? Like, people are turning to bath salts because they can't afford a full thousand sunset. The choice, obviously, is between to buy a heroin or to buy heroin, and you made them choose. Yes. Also, update your damn elves. Every year, it's new space marines. Come on. All right, you paint, right? No, I do not paint. I stare at the figurines. What a wonderful hobby. Do you at least glue them together? Oh, well, I mean, there's one that has tape. You see, the, the, look, it, it's very simple, right? I'm kind of, in some ways, I like to think of myself as uh, as a Scrooge-type character. It's not about creating the thing. It's about having it so someone else doesn't. That's, ah. that's, that, that's how value works. Do you want to talk about the concept of art in the age of its mechanical reproduction? Uh, yes, the concept of art. Uh, well, cynically, art is something I use to bludgeon people and make them feel bad. Yes. Functionally, you know, art... Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, yeah. You can keep going. I don't want to interrupt this. Uh, elaborate. What are you saying? Oh, no. I just wanted to like give you another segue to move on. I wanted to say yes. that you seem like the kind of person to whom writing is just a vehicle to telepathically hurt people. Um, and kind of but that's also art <laughs> exactly so you were expression. saying art bludgeoning yeah. art and bludgeoning people yes but it's also expression it's like something that you cannot find or you cannot find replicated somewhere it expresses something that you cannot fully capture mm -hmm. it is the reason why i'd say i don't know um well, you know freddie freddie got fingered is art it's not good but it's art you'll never find it again mm -hmm. it, it, it it's strange uh, you know, the Godfather or farewell, my concubine. That's art. It, it's a capture. It's a, you know, it, it's a kind of a condensation of a time or a series of narratives that you cannot probably easily capture again. You, you can't fully channel it once more. That's true. And there's a physicality to it. Yes. Which you can use to bludgeon people. Awesome. Yeah. Um, no, because like um, sometimes when I when I'm really bored, I think about stuff like this, right? So, um, are digital books even still art, or um, what does this all mean with the you know rise of AI and stuff like that? But I think ironically, um, books and writing is one of the few art forms that retain their aura, even if it even if they can be mechanically reproduced. Because writing as an art form only became possible with its mechanical reproduction, aka the Gutenberg um, printing press, right? Yes. 
So very interesting stuff. But I wonder if that will save us uh, when AI will come and um, turn every computer into an infinite uh, narrative machine. So we'll see. So yeah, you know, I have I have doubts about that. By the time the AI is capable of executing the executive level decisions mm. that make mm. a really cool story and blow like most mm. authors out of the water, I'm mm. not worried about it doing AI. I'm worried about it doing propaganda. I'm I'm oh, I'm going to be yeah. honest. We are the weakest of the entertainment. Like it's mm. not even close. Writing mm. is cool. Like you know, writing on Roy Wood. Some people make a living here. Some people, you know, create really fun stories. But let's be perfectly honest, right? You can make and probably succeed and get more as like a middleweight rage porn baiter than mm. a writer ever could. And if you can have an AI start generating that. That's much easier than writing. Like, why, you know, like if this is just purely economic, why, what are you doing here? This mm. is not the industry of big money. Mm. That's true. But also, it's like, it, this, I've seen some of the things people spam post. Even if it's technically perfect, it's not, when people say soulless and bland, they don't mean, oh, you know, this needs like a magical, spiritual human touch. It's, a lot of times mm. it's like, Someone clearly, like, literally ripped a pattern that has been seen before and then jammed it here. So you're not, you're bored because you've seen it before, literally. Yeah, it's yeah. the same so, thing of, you yeah. know, how every Marvel movie, how every Marvel movie will. Oh my, my God, you know how every Marvel movie will end, right? Yeah, but it's even worse than that. It's like, you know, have you, you know, it's like, have you seen like a bunch of eighty action movies in a series? The black exploitation ones or the ones after? Uh, no, black exploitation oh, no. ones usually have too much personality. I'm talking about the deader ones. Oh, the one where like everyone always killed the cop's partner. Uh, yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, I know what you mean. Now, like, there's a difference there. You got to spin like there's a wheel. It's got three sides. One's black. One's Asian. One's Hispanic. <laughs> oh no! Do I want to know what this what this wheel does? Well, yeah. Usually it's this, right? Um, by the late period, black partner survives. He gets shot in the shoulder. So, like, you know, mm -hmm. the white guy had to fight like his ninja half brother from Japan because mm -hmm. the yeah, Japanese people, like, as, as per Hollywood's forbidden rules, and mm -hmm. every year they sacrifice people to make sure this is enshrined in blood, a Japanese person must never beat a white person in sword dueling in the 80s. That was like, this is like, this is written into law. You can find yeah. this. If you drill to the bottom of Sunset Boulevard, there's a plaque there, and it's written mm -hmm. in uh, fake kanji, carved by the ancient uh, cultists of the Hollywood division. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Now I want to write like this really intricate story about um, street magic being used in Hollywood and uh, cellophane-touched uh, like arcane sigils. Ah. Uh, yeah. Man, Memo, that sounds awesome. We should do that. Um, no, but like, one thing I always wondered, wondered a bit about, especially in like the, um, we were talking about Bond earlier, um, how Hollywood has always kind of encapsulated the zeitgeist um, when it comes to uh, enemies and stuff like that. Right? Yeah. Uh, so first it was the Germans. Uh, well, obviously. Um, then it was the Russians. And then at some point it was a Chinese. And uh, then yeah. it went... Hmm? 
Yeah, <laughs> Chinese. I got, I got a, I got a funny thing about the Germans and Russians. You see, once upon a time, I thought they were the same people. It's just like, like a Russian was a German you left too long in the cold. So when I was growing up, Still right, not. I had a series of movies like they're mostly propaganda, and my understanding mm-hmm. of the world was shaped by them. But you see, the, the the television station I watched stuff on was Phoenix Television. That was a Hong Kong owned broadcasting thing. And most mm. of them were subtitled. And so my understanding was like there were there were several different variations of the Caucasian. They were people of uh, uh, several multi-classes mm-hmm. and separate designs. Now, if they were a southerner and they weren't fat, they were probably good. If they were northerner, <laughs> but they were poor, they were probably also good. Well, but potentially good. But if they were British, they were evil. Unless there was a German. In which case, the German was evil. <laughs> like a flow chart. Yes. But then there's also the... See, I was really confused when, like, the Russian and German came in at the same time. Like, this is the first time I watched a World War II movie. And it was like, wait a minute. These two the same guy? What's going on here? Why are they fighting each other? And what's, anyway, what's up I, here? Yeah. And anyway, they, they explained to me, no, no, no this, is, this actually happened. I'm like, are you sure? It's like, you know, it found the thing. And that was the moment I realized that potentially there might just have possibly been some ingrained racism. <laughs> this is amazing because this is a perspective we in Europe and I think even the US never get. Like, never. Uh, I appreciate it very much. Uh, I appreciate you very much for sharing this because um, it, makes, it makes quite obviously like a lot of sense, right? Um, I mean, I'm not going to talk, like, start talking about like Japan. Um, but yes, let us not. Let us not. There's great many risks. Yes, very much. But uh, yeah, so the whole zeitgeist and, and enemy kind of thing in Hollywood was very interesting to me because you could kind of like see what the what the nation was afraid of at the time in both like um, racist and uh, slash uh, uh, well global politic globally political. Um, Problems, you know, like oh, Cold War's over, great, but what if it comes back? Yeah, right. Uh, or uh, what if, and I'm, you know, saying this now, like, what if the Chinese get like too evil or too big or no? Um, and then uh, we had a, we had a time where it was like international crime, and I had a hard time figuring out what international crime was, yes. what it stood in for uh, when uh, I wrote the. International crime has a lot of implications depending on where you are. Shoot. Yeah. So usually if it's international crime, um, mm. right now, the previously, the, the easy pickings for, I think, have you, you there's a, there's a wolf, like a movie called uh, Wolf Warrior and Wolf Warrior 2. I, I, it's basically Chinese Rambo, right? That sounds amazing. And both, yeah, both of them have a kind of a, they have a, Un, a non-committal anti-American villain. And he pops out. He's like, "Okay, here's an American bad guy." No, I'm a mercenary, not affiliated with the U.S. Army in any way. I'm like, "Okay, I see where this is going." We just we're not doing that, are we? We're, we're gonna. Oh my God. We're not going all the way over. Okay. But it, it's the same thing. It's like in the U.S. It's like you know, like for a while, it's like, "Oh yeah, mm-hmm. here's a rich bank guy." And he's like, you know, you, you, your first scene of the guy is like he's generic, he's old, he's hacking the head off a child, he's dipping money inside, he's injecting the money into his blood, and then he's turning young again. It's like my my plan for the future is I'm going to monetize the CO2. 
and I'm going to blow up the kids if they don't let me do it. And it's like, it, it doesn't make any sense, but he's easy to hate. So you don't care. Mm. Uh, was that the movie or was the, the Elon Musk biopic? Uh, I, I, I don't <laughs> I'm know. Sorry. You know like, I'm not sure. All right. Like, does he have a biopic? No, no. I'm, and I'm not even like hating on the guy. Uh, like I said, I, I pity him very much because he has like no one around him to tell him no. Um, so he just does whatever. Like, I really do have pity for the guy. It was just like very easy to jump onto the bandwagon there for a second. So, um, no, he doesn't have a biopic. But yeah, you were saying Wolf Warrior. Yes. But yeah, anyway, like that has a, like a huge assortment. And all I found funny mm -hmm. is like they basically fought every, like that, they fought the American assortment as well. The Americans, they fight the Russians. They fought the, the, the Germans. They fought the, uh, well, they, well, okay. They were laughing like the, the, mysterious middle eastern villain who wants to blow up some like landmark or something mm -hmm. and then uh and then there's also like no i don't know like there's a distinct lack of like there's not so many asian like villains mm -hmm. in that regard uh japan was only i don't know like they were only mentioned for a while during the 80s and that's because their economics were doing good and all of a sudden like it's like what's that why are they getting rich too it's a standard <laughs> feeling of like oh god oh god they can afford cars too Oh no, they're going to be driving next to me. What are we going to do? Shoot the wheels out. They made good cars too. Yeah, you know, like that's too much. All right, there's there comes the point where it's like, mm. look, we can, we all understand this. We can all succeed together, but you better stay far away from me when you're succeeding. Yeah, we we can all exactly we can all succeed together if you help me succeed first. Um, like, look, mm. I will pull you up, but you got to help me build this tower first. Okay. I mean, like, uh, to be real, there is no no single nation on the world that doesn't want to try and get ahead of everyone else. Yes. Um, I mean, I can. I'm not going to pretend that like the 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 German Zeitwende, the, the the new um, new political thing, is going to be anything different. But um, yeah, I'm not going to talk too much about politics here because yes. it's neither here nor there. It's about yeah. books. Um, international nation and relations are built upon a foundation of anarchy. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, it's it's all very egalitarian in a way, but um, so to uh, put a put a line underneath this, the international criminal was basically terrorism. Right, it was a stand up yeah. terrorism. Super yeah. interesting, um, because like it was always about like blowing something up and making a statement out of it. Um, super interesting. Any Huzel, I want to, because I, I can already see people underneath this this video going to be like, we're going to talk about books again. They're talking about movies and like colonialism. And like, uh. What's the best advice you've ever gotten as a writer? Um, it's the Ira Glass advice. Uh, so the Ira Glass advice, I believe if you can find it or look it up, then the person themselves said it better than I ever can. It's effectively this, right? There's a period which you should mm -hmm. expect no pleasure or joy from what you're doing. It's the suck period. Mm -hmm. You are effectively the journeyman. You know enough that it's not very good. Mm -hmm. But you know what good is, and you're trying to find, you know, you're trying to feel towards it. You can't fully put in the words yet. And I think that's probably the most important part. It's like mm -hmm. part of writing and part of doing anything well is priming yourself. It, mm -hmm. about you know preparing 
mentally what you're about to do. What destroys some people is that there's no hope. And so they run into too many problems and they give up. And for some mm -hmm. other people, there's too much hope and their ego is like a balloon and they hit too many problems and it pops and it destroys them. Mm -hmm. And so the practice, which is why all advice fundamentally, I think despite this being really good advice, all advice is useless until you are like actively like kind of reinforcing yourself in, in motion mm -hmm. is that you kind of want to like really mind the middle ground of where you're mm -hmm. going. You want to be excited about what you're doing. You want to, you know, at least not hate what you're doing, mm -hmm. but you can't kind of like take it too personally when things go wrong. Mm. It's a variation of, you know, enjoying the journey instead of the, of, of the goal. Yes. But also it's like, I, I think even more than the journey, the process of doing it's, um, mm. I think Marcus Aurelius might have something to say about that. Yeah. It's basically the, you know, that think of the action and mm. generally like the practice of becoming, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, like long-term fans of this podcast will know that I have been trying to, uh, be one of the non-pretentious stoics for a while because it really helped me um I've, go listen to the void herald episode everyone um but um yeah right so this is becoming enamored with the process and enjoying it even if things aren't going really well is super important yeah because as you said like you will suck the, the, yeah. it's inevitable enjoying yeah. the suck is the cool part well, you don't even need to enjoy this. Like, you just need to accept it. What mm. what destroys people if they cling to it? It's like, oh no, mm. I am a terrible writer. Even now, I'm like, no, I'm not a good writer. I'm not a terrible writer. I'm just I write. And mm. at any given moment, this could be much better. In which I develop my skills, or I have a sudden burst of like inspiration, and I become mm. like you know much more productive, or the scenes become much better. I fully grasp the patterns between the character development, the progression, and the narrative flow, so they all intersect. Mm at a, like a really resonant time or potentially the upstairs could collapse like 300 hammers that the murderer upstairs has been storing for the entire year comes down on my head in quick succession my skull cage in the right angle so i don't die i don't die but now like I'm, I'm just mentally damaged enough that i can still write but everything about writing has been lost to me so mm. you know i've gone from great writer to not a writer at all and then the next week I get my skin taken from me because like, I'm not producing enough. So, you know, these things happen and uh, you got to keep Yes, regularly. This is why I moved into an apartment that is uh, underneath a roof. There's no um, hammer murderers above me. Yeah. Well, the, but, yeah. you know, that's why I think. That's why what? That's what I think. That's why yes, I think. I, I said, that's good thinking. You're, you're prepared. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to how you edit this war. I'm looking forward to it. Just poke me when you, when you're done with it. Um, cool. Because I wanted to ask you, um, about this writing, uh, this process of getting better anyway. Right. Uh, yeah. so my question. Hmm? Yes. I, yeah. So you continue. I'm just, yeah, that's what I mean. The, the question I wanted to ask you in that regard was, uh, how long have you, have you been writing? Because, I mean, I'm not going to, um, you know, toot your horn too hard, but your writing is really, really good. So I'd say on and off, I've been going about it for, you know, by this point, like 
five to six years or so. Mm -hmm. But like for the first, I'd say maybe like, I don't know, five and a half, it was kind of just whatever. I didn't mm -hmm. consider myself a very serious writer. Remember when I told you, like when I told you I wrote crack fix, mm -hmm. I, I, I literally mean like it, it was a little bit, it's a little bit less than a shit post. That's what it was. You know, like, like like Chuck Tingle, kind of like that, that kind of stuff? Yes, but like not even, there wasn't even that much care about the pros <laughs> and characters or anything. It's just, hey, 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 look at this. This is a dumb story, isn't it? And it's like, hey, isn't that funny? And for a while, it's, you know, it, it's, um, <coughs> it's like the 4chan tier stuff without all the racism. Mm. Without all the racism. I must have really, really I, I cannot, you know, I can, I, it, it wasn't me and I didn't do it. That's my, that's my official statement. Great. Says the guy yeah. with the with the with the Pepe. Uh, uh, I, I mean, now come on. This this is Frogman the Barbarian. Totally different. Frogman the Barbarian. Yes. Also, by the way, um, Pepe the Frog is not a hate symbol. Because if you think that it should be, and that uh, the Nazis have covered have have uh, have stolen it, then they have won, and I will not let them win. Um. Anyway, I know. So, like, yeah, yeah. I, you know what? Actually, I'm going to carry off that point. Look, how much more are we going to give away? We gave away our frogs. We, we gave away the okay. We gave away milk and all the fashion yes. and the night stuff are with the, 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 the dragon. What do we have left? What do we have yeah. left? I'm not rainbow flag. You stay away from my frog. Rainbow flags. We should try. Go on 4chan and start, you know, like use the AI we just talked about. Mm -hmm. the, the, the propaganda AI. And we should start start the Nazis take over the rainbow flag. This is this is going to turn into another Tumblr incident. Are you aware of the Tumblr invasion? Um, which one of them? Exactly. This can only end in tears for a lot of people who aren't us. <laughs> yes. Maybe laughter, um, but yeah. Also, war. This goes out like this. This guy brings out the worst in me. Please, <laughs> um, no. Pretty, pretty cool. Huh. No, because if you were saying that, um, you've been writing for like five years or something, but you've been doing this. Um, pre like either you were writing this with way more intent than you let on. Or you've been, well, I mean, how long have you been writing Godclads now? Two years? Or about a little bit over a year. A little over a year, yeah. And I mean, like your prose and the way you kind of like construct everything and so on and so forth is absolutely stellar for just one year of serious writing. Did you have any sort of, I mean, obviously you read a lot, that helps. Um, yes. But did you have any sort of um, training or anything? Uh, uh, not really. Like my, my training is for probably most of university and uh my education like the writing was probably one of my strongest actually I'll, I'll mention something interesting about this if you mm -hmm. ask me about specific grammar rules i don't know them i just know how they work yeah. you want to know why because they never taught us the grammar rules they just made us do them the person yeah. who taught us grammar couldn't speak english that well <laughs> and so we just figured it out so there's a bunch of tricks probably I probably know, but I can't name them. I don't have the theory. I just have to practice. It's 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 less than the grammar. Um, let me see if I can actually find the um, find the quote that I, that I recently looked at. Um, 
because uh, Lorna wrote you a really, really good review uh, like a year ago on, um, on yes. Reddit. Very nice of her. Yeah, it was a really good one. Um, I, know, I can't even fucking read this because it's too, too harrowing for me. Um, God Class is a very harrowing book. But well, it's a hopeful book. I mean, it's hopeful for one person in particular. It's literally about destroying paradise. But yeah, let's go on. Yeah, well, I mean, like, what is paradise, really? Philosophically speaking, if I am happy as things are falling apart, isn't it kind of like an inverse, like those who walk into Amleus and set it on fire and, you know, free all the kids and, you know, make the kids cannibals and eat their parents? You know, you see see the metaphor? Yes, no, but yes. Um, Do you know what, what this reminds me of? Like, I haven't thought about this for the longest time, but there was this, there was this online comic about the, about a bunny reaper called, um, P-H-O-L-F. Um, yeah, I mean, just let me see what it was. Oh yeah, Jack. Exactly. Man, that was harrowing as fuck. I read it like when I was 18, 17, 18, something like that. It's ah. P-H-O-L-F dot com. Um, it's called Jack. And it's P-H-O-L-F.com. Yeah. And this is like a weird furry version of the afterlife. Um Wait, what? Uh, reminds no, me no. of something. Yeah, like it reminds me of something from Newgrounds back in the day. Yeah. I heard a cat. Legal proceedings nine years ago. Blah, blah, blah. Oh my god, like this is old school furry drama. Holy shit. I I don't even know if I have time. My knowledge of the furry dramas is limited. That was a wild time on the internet. Man, it was amazingly all time. Okay, I got it. There's a new comic. Oh man, like... Oh man... Uh, I know when we read this again, like I'm, I'm, I'm tripping right now. But this is a the, like the uh, this Jack comic reminds me reminds me a lot of like what we're talking about right now because it deals with a lot of existentialism and what's paradise for you and um, might not be something for all the others. So there's this um, there's this idea that everyone gets a personal paradise. Mm-hmm. And um, there's this one small arc where they go through different paradises. And um, one of them is like this lady, this lady's paradise. And it's like all dark alleys uh-huh. full of like killers and rapists. Uh-huh. And um, wherever you go, you might just get like a, a knife in the gut and like get gutted. It's a very bloody, gory comic. And so one of the angels asked this person who like runs this place, who's like super scared and like hiding in her apartment, like, why did you build this place? paradise and she goes well it's for the guy that i love who's a rapist and a murderer 
And if he comes here, then I want him to be able to hang out with all of his friends and do all the things that he likes to do without actually hurting anyone real. And uh, the, the angel asked that, but why do you think that if he go, comes to paradise, don't you think that he's going to change? And the late, like this is a close-up picture of this lady's face and she's like re-crying in like this really impressively drawn way. And she says, well, I fucking hope so. Or like, I, I can only hope so, something like that, right? And this reminded me a lot of what, um, of, of, of your idea about like paradise, right? Which of the, of the eight groups is going to rule because their paradise might not be yours. If. And that's very cool. Do you want to talk yeah. about a bit more about how that came to be? Um, effectively, it's this, right? I basically just hypercharged the world order. That, mm -hmm. That's it. It, it, it. At once, uh, an amplification, but also simplification in some regard. Mm -hmm. Right now, the big game that's being played is by a lot more than just eight groups. But yeah. there are, you know, very big blocks. And effectively, each of the eight blocks, there are, like, they're their own cultures, but they're also survivors. They're remnants. And they, they're as much system builders as they are system slaves so to speak mm. the structure mm. that they created is now resting on them too and so well if you don't want to play someone's going to put you under the wheels so mm. they have to play mm. and in a weird way yes they you know like as with all cyberpunk your personal autonomy might might allow you to be saved mm. but the world is banned until then until and our very, very authoritarian, uh, humanitarian friend comes and tries to change mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And yet you say that like your book is about hope and I'm not meaning like to rile on this, but I would like to explain, like for you to explain. Uh, so the, I, I'm, I'm half joking when I say, yeah, like, you know, when, when, when I uh, come into your house and I set your house on fire and eat everyone mm -hmm. and gain all the XP, that, that's hope. That's hope for me. Mm. It's not hope for you, but like it's honestly, it's kind of true. Like, think of it this way: it's this mm. right now, you succeeding sometimes takes up a slot someone else can't. It's not usually that severe. Potentially, you maybe winning the lottery means someone else doesn't win, or you mm. going to university means someone else can't go. Maybe they're very mm. close to you, but you know, you, you just you had better hygiene that day. You didn't mm. smell bad, or mm. you know you. You know, you, 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 you had special qualities that they didn't, so to speak, mm -hmm. the intangibles. But in a world where it's already very desperate, what's going to happen? Well, I don't think mm. you're going to be too much different from us. We have a pretty consistent set of behavioral patterns you can observe in humans. Mm. And, uh, well, if, if you look at people, there's, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of, you know, espousing about, oh, rationality, humans are thinking creatures. I'm like, no, we're, we're post-thinking creatures. We mm -hmm. do things and we feel things usually and then we justify them. Yeah. So it, it's generally like almost like a societally enforced scarcity mindset. Yes. But also it's kind of like even, even with all that power, even with their ability to basically twist and reweave reality. Mm hmm well, they're still going to be fighting because sectarian conflicts don't go away because why magic? No, it's mm. just going to make it worse. No, absolutely. Like, yeah, you know, like more power to everyone just means everyone has more chances to ruin things. Um, my favorite example of this is spray paint. Great. We have spray paint now. It takes, no, it doesn't take like three days to paint a house. It takes like, a, like, a, like one day. 
but it takes like 15 seconds to ruin the paint by spraying some sort of propaganda on it, right? So yes. more power means just more destructive capabilities um, at the same time as also progressive capabilities. Yes. But, and also, it's always mm -hmm. easier to break a pattern than it is to rebuild it. Yes. Very true. Well, at least current, current paradigms. I don't know how to build a house, but if you give me the tools, I can drop one. Yeah. Now everyone knows that, right? Let's press the button. Um, and boom, goes the dynamite. Yeah. Right? It's really not, not, not that hard. Like safety measures are very important though, with TNT. Um, but that being said, I mean, I I personally think that, especially in this in this writing environment or writing community that we have, that the idea of the rising tide rising all uh, raising all ships is still you know kind of prevalent, um, if the right thing is done after the fact. So yes, this is a stupid example because no one does this. But um, if I win the lottery, I might give to charity, or might not. Right, depends mm -hmm. on how I how I feel that day. Right, am I feeling religious? Am I feeling giving, caring? Um, did someone smile at me uh, at me in the morning? So all these kind of things. And if I get like vast cosmic powers, there's always the question: Hey, do I want to go the easy way and become a villain and just satisfy my own basic urges, or do I want to do something that, um, at least in some sort of way, is, is utilitarian in that it maximizes the amount of good in the world um but even then you have to punish the villain and that's shit for them so yes. yeah but, you know i think there's a lot of implication that power we have it interacted with power is not only an enabler or power reveals or like you know th those are all pithy statements but it's like power is also inconsistent hmm. right like it it might make you more human in some situations but more callous than others. If you've always been particularly, you know, indifferent about human life, you're probably going to mm. kill a lot more people. It's, mm. you, you're already U-shaped. This is just going to magnify you. But also, if you, you know, if it expands your sensory input and you're always bothered by how poorly someone treats animals, mm. and you can hear across the world, and you oh. hear every second of every day of everything mm. some. You know, some interesting people do to animals. Imagine mm. what follows. Can you call it, I don't know, a justified genocide? Well, that don't, that, eh, it's hard to mm. say. It gets really dicey. No, I mean, like, obviously you can't because, I mean, yeah. genocide can never be justified, but um, because yeah. it's a summary, summary statement. And, um, yeah, like where you get into like, the weird nitty gritty of this, though, it's like when, when you're like sinking deeper and deeper into the character's perspective, it gets mm -hmm. more and more warped. Like, yeah. if, like if we're, if we're going to be entirely honest, right? And like mm -hmm. the act of dance, I really like the act of killing is pretty, most people cannot conceptualize how severe it is. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, you know, it's not something you come back from basically normally. Yeah. Because it, it, it's very, very traumatizing. It completely destroys your own worldview of yourself and also about the possibilities, right? Um, I got into a car accident once. I didn't kill anyone. Uh, someone crashed into me. Mm -hmm. And I still remember that for the next couple of, couple of weeks, um, I would always twitch when something came in from the left side because suddenly like life-ending danger was possible, right? And... Yes. 
if you, I mean, like I can only imagine I've never killed anyone. I don't hope I will never will or will have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, if you are at this point where you realize that everything I told you in school, that you're special and that you can do everything you want is tragically and horrifically true, right? There is no rule that stops you from doing all these things. Yeah. That is but terrifying. more importantly, there is no there is no governing power that can make what you're saying fault. And yes. how you justify it gets really dicey because hmm. at, at the end of the day, everything is insured by who holds the sword. And if you're the one holding the hmm. sword and you're you know you're your own boss, well, there's I mean, a number of things you can get away with, and it yeah. depends on how you know it, can you survive getting away with yourself, hmm. basically. That being said, though, um, this the, like humanity wouldn't have survived for this long if humans like killing. It's really interesting. I mean, if people can get away with it, they don't even want to kill animals. They want to eat animals, but they don't want to kill them. Yes. Right? So this is a very, very interesting concept. Um, we, we, we have the capability of aggression, but we come mm-hmm. up with mythology to deal with killing and death. It, and yes. yeah, hmm? uh, yeah, I'm uh, yeah, just agreeing. Well, 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 it's a new ad. If you're interested in having your story shouted out on this podcast, please reach out to me under critrpg.podcast at gmail.com. For now, I just finished the first book in my own series, Torchbearer. If you like a slow burn story about weak to OP main characters, mixing magic and technology and numbers going up, you might also enjoy this one. You can find the link to my link tree down below. And that's all for now. Thank you very much for listening and or watching. And let's get on with the show. Man, this, is, this, got, grues- this, this got gruesome. And I can say I didn't anticipate it. Um, but that being said, I think we should maybe move on to the next question. Um, and that's what would be one thing you would go back to and change in your earlier work or works? If you uh, probably the time character characters a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I, what do you call it? I'm, 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 I like having characters drive the story. Yes. Uh, I, I think a lot of things and a lot of, I don't, I don't like thinking of rails, but like the, if you have a very clear concept of character design and who they are, and if it's complex and nuanced enough, they will drive themselves. You do mm-hmm. not need to like puppet them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that's, if I was going to go serious and do all, like a lot of updating for my previous work, it's once again going to be let's integrate the characters and build them some more. Yeah. Okay. Any specific tips you would give there? effectively spend more time like watching people like generally like try to try to put together a person in your mind Hmm. like you know like some some there are i i'll i'm gonna potentially say some things that people don't like i i I hate the character charts i hate putting like oh he has this this trait and this trait and uh you know like he hears what he believes like like no i i genuinely like i don't like putting it on paper because i i want to consider what what okay at what kind of moment is there an inconsistency like he's brave he's brave he's brave up until the condition where these conditions are met mm. because this in his past or this is it, it's everything pressing on everything and effectively i think that yeah that that makes the 
at least the general design field lived in. Did you read any books on writing? Um, I think I read Elements of Style. Mm -hmm. I read Stephen King's on writing, and I, mm -hmm. I'm gonna, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't remember much of that. He he doesn't either, so it's a, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Some of the coat um, passed over into my system from the past. Um, no, because I'm I'm asking because there's there's a guy I respect a lot. Um, his name is David Corbett, and he wrote a book called The Art of Character, where he mm -hmm. describes basically what you described. Um, and I think he quotes Hemingway. I don't know. Um, and he says that a character will always just be a caricature. What you should aim for is right breathing living people that just happen to, enjoy, to like live in your story. Yeah. Um, and I feel as though many people use the charts wrong. They use the charts as in like, oh, now I need a motivation and I'm going to put in whatever ever I think. That will never work because you may, your characters ideally have a life of their own and they will not be able to fit in that box that you put for them. Um, the one thing that I have found for writing characters is that, that's better than anything I've ever done is think about a character in your head like a very nebulous concept and then put them in scenes even in scenes that no one will ever read. I've written like half a book um, for Torchbearer characters that no one will ever read because they're all like nonsensical, don't make any sense. But what you really want is um, to find out what's your main character's main want and your main need, so far so easy, but then also find out their wound, right? So yeah. what, is, what is the one thing that really hurt them? that makes them act in a certain way with a, with a certain pathological maneuver whenever they want or need is denied. So, for example, if you have a serial adulterer or whatever, right? Um, why, does they, why do they, um, you know, sleep around? And the question is like, oh, hey, maybe, maybe it's as easy as um, he got rejected in high school by this one girl that he really liked or whatever. And now he's trying to fill that void with overcompensation. Um, Reading psychology and understanding human psychology is paramount to writing good characters. Because if you don't understand yourself, you can't understand your characters. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Yeah. I think another thing, though, is that I, um, it's going to sound, I don't mean to make this sound insulting. I mean, it, to be very honest. I think mm -hmm. in some genres, you can get away with really bad characters, and it's probably even better than writing good characters. Yeah. And yeah. I don't, yeah, it's not meant to be insulting. I mean, like, if if they're, if your audience is in it for the book to project themselves on someone special, and all the other characters are built to be, you know, like, they're, they're character facing. They're not built to interface with the world. The world doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's how they deal with the protagonist. So we've seen this many times. There's like, you know, unfortunate man gets hit by a meat-seeking truck. And uh, he responds, and he comes back into the same city that we've seen many times. There's a river running between it. There's walls outside. There's some kind of weird pig monster. That's the first thing he kills. And there's questionable content about uh, it. Let's not get into that. Anyway, yeah. But, like, everyone, you know, despite how the way the world is built, everyone is built to interface with you know, funny sword man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So mm. yeah, it's yeah, be honest about what you're writing. That's probably another thing I would tell myself. Yeah, exactly. Like, what's the promise you give to your reader? Um, also, I wouldn't say like it's necessarily a bad character. Not that you were saying this, um, mm. but I think we should maybe be saying like flat character. Um, uh, Corbett. Yeah. Corbett in the book calls them uh, traveling angels. Um, they also exist in movies. You know, characters who don't go through any arc. They come in at the beginning, they fix a problem, and then they go away. But the trick of keeping people interested in the story, in this case, is the emotional journey of the other characters. Because every good story has to have some sort of emotional journey. It, like, it's true for Naruto, One Piece, Dragon Ball Z, everything. Even though I'm struggling really hard to... Actually, no. Dragon Ball Z is really easy, too. Zon Goku never changes. Except for when, like, when he grows up from like an idealistic kid to, you know, this muscular dude. Yeah. But Vegeta has a has a redemption arc. Um, Piccolo has like is a god who faces doubt. Like it's right. Yeah. Know. It's pretty simple. You know, like, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's like it's the Atticus Finch build to kill a mockingbird. Basically, the dad is the dad. You you learn things yeah. about him, but he doesn't change. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because like, you only have so much, you know, space in a book, even if you're writing um, uh, lit RPG or progression fantasy or web series. I laugh at that. There is no end to the space. More words. <laughs> More words. Um, do you think you, you do you think? Do you think that you can or will keep God Clouds going on forever, or do you have a goal in mind? Do you have? A, I have a goal in mind. mind. Yeah, this thing is not going to run on forever. If like. No, maybe it'll hit a few million words, but it, mm. considering the current pace I'm keeping, it it has an ending in mind. Mm. I have a clear, like, you know, oh, here's the end of the series concept. I might mm. revisit the setting for other characters or other, like, things after mm. I'm done with it. But, yeah, that's generally, like, there, there's a plan. Mm. Yeah, that's so. very good. Awesome. Um, then I think we should move on to the next question. What's one book that you love and why is it awesome? One book that I love. Uh, let me think here. Hmm. I'm thinking about if I'm going to do something like, you like talk about a, a recent book or book I read a while ago. You know Anything what? Never, like. Yeah, let's do, uh, let's do, I think, Shadow of a Torturer by Gene Wolfe. Mm-hmm. Gene Wolf, very good. Um, it, it is effectively like the guy is a very, 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 very good at building his narratives. Like he's managing to actually assemble unreliable narration in very cool ways. And you're, you're seeing his lens uh, of a very kind of, I almost say like kind of a, a Christian style character, but in a really twisted world mm -hmm. and how he faces like, the the setting and the nebulousness of, of his current reality it's like you know magic but not really it's technology mm. but he can't com comprehend it anymore it's very much in the vein of jack vantage dying earth kind of stuff it's it's really um it, it's not something i've seen that's been quite as well done ever again mm -hmm. okay so cool. you know for his like you know shadow the torturer stuff his uh i, I think people should just Even if you're not interested in the content, you should read his writing just for how how he's good at the craft alone. 
Gene Wolfe, Shadow of the Torturer. I'm looking it up. Oh, it's Earth. Awesome. Very interesting. All right. Cool. Well, thank you for the recommendation. Uh, go check it out over Christmas. Yes. Um, hopefully you like it. Oh, yeah, hopefully. Um, I got I got Harrow stall I need to read. And there's many lit, lit RPGs I also promised I would read. And um, I also heard that there's going to maybe going to be a new all the skills soon. So yeah. this time Any, Arthur uh, learned how to. Yeah, yeah. This time I'm looking forward to how Arthur learned how to mix some biological components. It's time for new warfare. Absolutely. I mean, why worship dragons when you can literally craft one? Yes. Plague. Plague Plague's. dragon. Yeah. Plague. Actually, you know what? Minor, minor card. Yeah, like, Plague yeah, minor control. Hmm? Yeah. Like, I keep thinking, like, if you, if you strip all the flesh from a bunch of people and fam like, reset, reassemble their bones from the inside, right? And you build, yes. like, a human meat dragon and it looks like yes. a dragon. If it's still yes. a dragon. Um, I mean, according to the Monoct loop, yes. Well, no, it's, it's a worm. I should have thought about that. Yes. I mean, like, it's, it's right, at the, right at, the, at the beginning. It's right there. Yes. <laughs> because that's literally but, what happens. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a cool concept. It's just, you know, like, once again, you know, what we're talking about, well, technically, what is a dragon? Yeah. But I think we could be dragging that question along for a long time. Anyway, because this podcast has now reached its allotted one hour and has already gone a little bit over, I would like to ask you for shout-outs. Of course. Um, there is an author I'd like to shout-out. Actually, quite a few. There's uh, the new Virtuous Sun book that's coming out. Mm. Virtuous Sun, very interesting. Um, it's probably... One of the few Shinkas I kind of enjoy. Um, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't like most of them. It, okay. Yeah, like uh, a lot of them are like, I, I, I like it to, I, I, I see them as <laughs> like, they're, they're degenerations of Xingyu's old work. And I don't, I don't want to sound insulting, but it's just like after you read some of like his, um, you know, the contest behind his old work and you're looking at the new one, the new one's literally like, you know, he's like, okay, this is, this is kind of a failure. This is what happens when the world gets evaded and everything falls apart. And now it's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to learn the tiger technique. I'm going to blow up this realm. I'm going to move on. It cycles on from that. I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, I, I'm, I, I won't claim to be like, uh, you know, a, a governing authority, but like, I, I'd like, I wanted to see something more, but Virtuous sense. Very cool. Um, gets into the concept of like what actually cultivating virtue means and it actually focuses much more on the characters, how they interact with each other. Settings also different. Greek instead of uh, very culturally Chinese. So yeah, if you're interested in that. Connected to that, however, there is another book, a lesser known book that I'd like to recommend. Uh, I'm going to, I must get this name like. There is a book called Road of the Rottweiler. It is Road about the, Rottweil the Rottweiler. It's a type of dog. Yes. And it's about someone who, uh, who, 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 is, who is using a dog 
to cultivate. It's a, a, a Rottweiler puppy cultivation method. Have you ever seen a dog hit someone and they explode? Not not the dog, the person. Um, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, <coughs> no. So yeah, you should you should you should you know you should take maybe consider looking at Road of the Rottweiler. It's it's interesting. You you won't find anything anything like it anywhere else. By the um, author known as Lack of Pooch Line. Yes. This is a thing that exists. This is a thing that exists. I mean, they also have, like, if you're more interested in, um, uh, let me see here. If you're more interested in Ithikai, he has a character that was murdered by his dog and goes into a fantasy world with his dog to destroy people alongside his dog. I think you're overselling this. <laughs> it was already sold. You, you're, you're fine. <laughs> no, like, this is really, really interesting. Um, so far... It's got 4.84 uh, stars rated. So go ahead. And it, it's, it's got like cool. 25 ratings too. So it's not that bad. Go ahead. Go and um, read the story uh, and maybe leave him, leave him a nice comment or something. That could be kind of cool. That seemed like a fun ride. All right. Awesome. Mammal. This is the yes. end of the main podcast. And we are going to have more fun in the bones material. And we're going to talk more about um, New Death March. Um, writing horror for Royal Road. I'm really interested in that, in that still. I want to talk about um, why your book hits so well and why other horror books don't. And uh, Hope Punk and how to fuel things with orphans. And uh Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah, of course. You're writing your philosophy for writing God clads. That's very interesting too. Yeah. You know. Any last words? Uh yes. Keep your meat to yourself. Defend yourself at all times. And also, uh keep in mind that success is generated from strain, but not stress. There is a difference. Don't break yourself. Yeah. Yeah, very much to do that. Um, all jokes aside. <sighs> Thank you, everyone, for coming and listening to the Crit RPG Podcast Acid Edition. Um, thank you so much for tuning in this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Next week is going to be the special episode for Christmas. And I am 100% sure you're going to love the guest I have there. Um. If there's anything else that you're interested in, you will probably find it in my wonderful little icon here. There's some sort of tab that you can press. Go check it out. I got way more guests that you can listen to. And please do leave a follow. It helps me a lot. Uh, also, like and commenting, um, everything like that really helps because it allows me to do more of the stuff. Uh, with that being said, I will be back next year after Christmas. I will be taking January off. And at the end of January, so beginning of February, I will be starting to post new stuff again. Thank you again very much for being here, Mammal. And thank you for staying for the bonus stuff. We're going to talk for another hour. Let's go. All right. All right. Thank you so much for watching, and I'll see you next week.